Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Does the Bible only predict gloom and doom? What role will Israel play in Bible prophecy? What lies ahead for America? Let's find out. Now here's your host, Elbert Hardy. Greetings everybody around the world interested in prophecy. What does the Bible say about your future? Is it better than you can imagine? I'm here to say it is. How could I say such a thing? You know, we we hear about heaven once in a while. Billy Graham wrote a book on it. So did others, lots of others. And they all got it wrong. That's what I'm saying. That's why. And I'm not disparaging anybody. I'm just saying there's more to the story than we're hearing. We're not hearing it according to prophecy. I'm going to tell you what the future holds according to prophecy. It's in the Bible. These aren't my words. I can't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. It's in your Bible. I'm going to show you where they are, and your future is extremely bright. And I want you to know about it. The gospel is not something that we really understand well. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. And we never talk about it. We never hear about that. Why not? What is a kingdom anyway? A kingdom is a king ruling over territory and over subjects living on that territory under a set of laws and guidelines that he sets forth and enjoying the goods and services that he provides in his kingdom. Well, it all sounds pretty good, especially when that king is Jesus. Jesus is our creator. He knows everything, and he knows what's best for you and me. I can't create a leaf or a blade of grass or anything alive, but he can. He's the master of molecules, and he's going to be the savior of the world. Oh, whoa, 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 hold it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Going to be? What do you mean going to be? Well, the gospel is more than just him dying on the cross for our sins. And as great as that is, that is only the beginning. And that's what he said. It's the beginning of life for you and me. Without him, we don't have life, period. There is no life apart from Jesus. Wait a minute. Are you saying to to all of us that there's no such thing as going to heaven when you die? Well, ask your pastor what that means. Ask him what it means. What in the world does it mean to go to heaven? I have done this on several different occasions to different ministers and got a different answer each time. Why is that? And why is it they get offended when you want to talk about hell and Ask them to prove it from the Bible, which they can't do. That's good news for you and me. It certainly is. But let's stick to one theme on this particular episode. This is episode number one. So I've got a lot to cover, as you've heard. What role will Israel play in the future? Well, that's a good question. We're going to go over that. But I want to go to Matthew 24, verse 29, right now. Why? 
because that is the pivotal key to prophecy, in my view. If you understand that verse, you can understand most of the other prophecies in the entirety of the Bible. Now, what does that verse say? It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars would fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Unquote. That's just one verse. Now, how could that one verse matter so much? Ask your pastor. Ask him what he thinks that verse means. How could the sun be darkened? The sun? Is he talking about everywhere in the world the sun would be darkened? Hmm. Uh, answer? Yes. And how about the moon not giving her light? That means it's night and day darkness. Take a moment, take some time, take weeks if you have to, and study that word, darkness, in the Bible. Go to Strong's Concordance and look it up. And you will find many, many, many verses in the Bible talking about darkness. We're going to explore some of those to back up my point here. There is coming a time, right after the tribulation, that will darken the skies. Night and day, darkness. Wow, that's kind of a big deal. Why? Well, if you don't have sunlight, you don't have air. How's that? Well, the sunlight is what keeps the algae in the sea colored green and not red. What does that matter? Well, they put off oxygen, and we breathe that oxygen. We need that oxygen in order to survive. Without sunlight, there's no weather. There's no weather. There's no way that the ocean would give up its moisture and form clouds at the upper atmosphere, which would eventually rain down on us so that we can have drinking water so that we can have crops, and so that we can feed our animals. So that's kind of a big deal if there's no sunlight. Well, you think it's going to be completely blackout? No, it'd be darkened. That sounds pretty scary to me. Also, what would happen to the earth itself without sunlight, in other words? Oh boy, well, we've got lots and lots and lots of problems. The ocean would die, and that means all the sea creatures would die without sunlight. Why is that? Well, because they eat plankton. The plankton eat the algae and other things microscopically. All the food chain in the ocean depends on that algae and those plankton. The plankton are eaten by larger crustaceans and fish. That one gets eaten by another fish, and so on and so forth. How does that affect you and me? Well, some people eat fish. The fish in the sea are going to perish. What would cause the darkness to cover the entirety of the earth? Hmm. Immediately after the tribulation. Okay, what is the tribulation? The great tribulation is going to be a war in the Middle East, according to lots and lots of scriptures. For example, 
Just read Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34. And understand what he's talking about there. And I'll be reading out of the King James Version. Come near, you nations, to hear. He's talking about the nations. That's you and me, no matter where you are on this planet. And listen, you people, let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. It makes it pretty clear who he's talking about, doesn't it? Yes, yes, indeed. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury is upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them, and he has delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also, also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and their hosts shall fall down as the leaf. That sounds very similar to verse 29, seems to me, of Matthew 24. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven, Behold, it shall come down on Idumea, the people of my curse, to judgment. Now, who are these people and where are they at? Well, Idumea is Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, part of Turkey, and the Sinai Peninsula, and Yemen, and Oman, and part of Jordan, and so forth. It's the Middle East. The sword, and you can look that up in any historical record or Bible atlas. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood and is made fat with fatness. The blood of lambs and goats with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra. Now, I don't believe this is the same Basra, but there is a Basra in southern Iraq. And a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. The unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy over Zion. Now that's not the church. That's Israel. And here's another pivotal verse. Verse 9. And the streams thereof, that is, of Idumea, shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. Okay, let's stop right there and go back to Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Let's say there were to break out a war. There was to break out a war in the Middle East. You realize, of course, that we have a problem there. Israel has nuclear weapons, a few, and Saudi Arabia is covered by the United States, and it's um, nuclear force. Iran is covered by Russia. Russia has a lot of natural gas, but it doesn't have a lot of oil, even though it is the world's number one producer 
of oil. It's all scattered about. And it still gets oil and gasoline from Iran. And that's a kind of a big deal. It's a strategic location. See, there's a mountain range separating Iraq and Iran. And they hate each other. They have been at war for years. And Saudi Arabia is hated also by Iran. Why? Because one is Sunni and the other is Shiite. The Shiites are the Iranians and the Sunnis are the Saudis. And Iraq's kind of a blend between the two, religion-wise. Well, the majority of the oil, you know, we think it's in Saudi Arabia, and a lot of it is, but some of it's in Israel, and a lot of it, the majority of it in my view, and my understanding, according to the Brookings Institute, is in Iraq. It's in Iraq. Iraq is a valley, big, big valley, and it's low. And the oil is so close to the surface that in some places it's on top of the ground already. Now, what happens if they nuke it out? Well, who controls the oil in Iraq right now? After the Gulf War, guess who stepped in? It wasn't the United States that went in there and fixed everything up and created new oil wells and oil fields. It was China, another nuclear power. So in Idumea, in that area, we have Turkey, Jordan, Iraq and Iran, as we've covered already. But we've got four or five nuclear powers that have nuclear weapons. Oh, man, are you kidding me? That is the most dangerous piece of real estate on this planet. Let's just face facts. Why? Well, because if they nuke it out, and I'm saying it will come to that, and it's all going to be because of the controversy over Israel. See, there's a pipeline that goes through to Iraq and Turkey and Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and Egypt and Saudi Arabia. There's a pipeline that goes right through Israel, and Israel makes millions off of it. Well, no wonder they want that real estate. It doesn't belong to them. It's only eight thousand square miles or so and they're trying to divide the land up into little itty bitty pieces and take it over one step at a time land for peace <laughs> well eventually that land will be gone if we keep that up that's no good no good for Israel certainly but God himself in the Bible gave Israel the title to all of that land it goes from the Euphrates River actually somewhat east of the river, I think, too, all the way to the river of Egypt and the Mediterranean. We'll talk about that some other time. But right now, what's that last piece of Matthew twenty four twenty nine again? Okay, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon not give her light, the stars would fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Okay, well, what's the powers of the heavens? It's the weather. It's the weather. It'll be shaken or disrupted, interrupted. 
No wonder, he said, if those days were not shortened, there would no flesh be saved alive. Imagine, if you will, a bunch of nukes falling on the these oil fields in Iran and Iraq and all over that area. In an all-out nuclear war, we would have multitudes of fires that would come up and darken the sky by reason of smoke that cannot be extinguished. A fire that can't go out. It has an endless fuel supply. It could burn for 150 years and just be getting started. And all that smoke, who's going to put that out? Who's going to cut those days short? Only Jesus, the master and creator of the planet. He's also the owner of it. And he's coming back to fix what's wrong. Yay! Finally! That's the gospel. That is the truth. That is the gospel that involves you and me and everyone who is alive or ever has lived because he will provide a resurrection for the dead. And that is really, really good news. They'll be back alive again. My parents aren't in heaven. They're dead, but they're sleeping right now. They're not awake. They're not conscious. They're not looking down on me, thinking what a bad person I've become. No, 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 no. That's not even remotely real. So what's all the other part then? What about those stars that fall from heaven? Well, if you know anything about science, and I'm sure you do, you know that Our sun is a star. Stars are suns like our sun, or maybe hundreds of times bigger or smaller. All life on earth depends on it. And so, what about the stars? How could they fall? Well, they can't. They simply can't fall. They're too far away, and even if they did fall, the earth would be melted right away. If our sun was a million miles closer, the earth would melt. It would be way too hot to support life, let alone all the stars of the host of heaven falling to the earth. Not going to happen, folks. Am I contradicting Jesus? No. On a camp out, there were hundreds of stars. We were probably 30 miles from the next nearest human being. Wow. And you can see the stars by the billions, billions of these beautiful stars. It's like, wow, this is great. But here's the thing. We have 22,500 or more satellites out there that keep the Internet alive, and they look just exactly like stars. In the days when Jesus spoke this verse, there were no satellites. He couldn't say the word satellite, so he said stars. And he wasn't trying to deceive anybody. He told us what was happening in the future. Those stars can fall. Those satellites can fall. They look exactly the same, except that they travel across the skies. That's what I believe he's saying. Now, why would they fall? Well, They'll fall because the radio signals that keep them 
in orbit without banging into one another, 22,500, that's a lot of space debris in our own atmosphere, or just above it. That's a lot of space junk. Well, when the uh, signals are blocked by the smoke, this great cloud cover that's going to envelope the whole Earth, there's no way they're going to stay up there. They're going to fall. I hope one doesn't hit your neighborhood. The good news is that Jesus is coming back to intervene on our behalf. Thank God we have a Savior like him. He's going to set up a government, a new government, which you have a part in. He wants you in his government. And that is the gospel. That's the real true gospel. The good news Jesus preached. He's always preaching about the kingdom of God. I have said that the kingdom, a kingdom, is a king ruling over subjects who live on territory under a set of laws and guidelines that he gives out, or his cabinet, and enjoying the goods and services provided by his government. It's about government. And it's a good government, a beneficial one. No more corruption, no more politics. Jesus can't be ousted, he can't be assassinated, and he can't leave office. He won't leave office. He's going to bring the whole earth back again to a Garden of Eden situation. It's going to be beautiful and amazing, and you're going to have a part in it if you stick with him and believe and trust him. We all should trust him, for he is our creator, and he is our life and our future. Next time we'll talk more about these things and the ramifications that are coming on the earth as a result. Talk about global warming. Now we're entering a mini ice age instead of global warming. Well, so we've got some things to talk about. Please tune in again next time. Be back, God willing, next week with another episode, episode number two. Go to my website, itellwhy.com. That's the letter I, the word tell, T-E-L-L, and the word Y, W-H-Y, dot com. You can read my eight books for free. I've got nothing to sell on the website or on this podcast. You will never hear an ad here. And I'm not in it to make money. I'm in it to disseminate truth. So that's what we're going to explore. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Go to the website, itellwhy.com. Until next time, this is Albert Hardy signing off saying, keep looking up. There's good things coming down.